We finally know the outcome of the midterm elections, and so we've brought in experts from DC to help us sort through them. Here's what matters. Live from New York City, I'm Lauren Goodwin, and this is Market Matters from New York Life Investments. In this podcast, we bring you the best insights from across the New York Life Investments platform because we believe that by sharing perspectives and engaging with you, our listeners, we can all become better investors. Welcome, everybody. It's the week of November 21st, 2022, and today we're covering the results of the midterm elections and what they might mean for policy and the markets. And to do that, we had to figuratively go down to Washington, D.C. and get some perspectives right from the Hill, as district residents call it. A very warm welcome to Whitney Brooks and Jennifer Taft, both vice presidents in New York Life's Office of Governmental Affairs, or OGA. Thank you both so much for being here. Hi, ladies. Good to be here. It's wonderful to be here today. Excited. Our choice to go to this amazing team, the OGA team, was very intentional because New York Life Insurance Company has a team based in D.C. specifically focused on the policy environment and how the policy environment impacts our industry, including New York Life Insurance agents, our employees, and especially our clients. And so this is a very important team, and we're excited to introduce listeners to their role. So Whitney, how did I do describing OGA? Maybe you could give us uh, the experts rundown of what OGA does and the sorts of subject matter you and the team cover. Of course, and you nailed it, Lauren. I'll describe it in the same way that I describe it to my family, which is the work that we do flows in two directions. So we monitor state and federal legislative and regulatory activity on behalf of New York Life. Then we assist New York Life leaders to develop our position on those public policy issues that relate to New York Life's mission to provide financial stability and solutions to Americans. And then back in the other direction, we comment on those bills or draft regulations. So we have the honor and responsibility of giving a face to the thousands of agents, employees, and policyholders who want to see us carry out this mission for another 177 years and perhaps longer. Um, I've heard you describe the philosophy behind this podcast as sharing perspectives and engaging your listeners so that we can all become better investors. Our philosophy is pretty similar to that. We engage lawmakers in order to share the perspectives of our agents, employees, and clients across the country in furtherance of a prudent and thoughtful lawmaking process. Ooh, chills, chills. So interesting. Uh, is, is that typical? Is it, is it typical for an insurance company or an asset manager to have a government affairs team? And how does a government affairs organization interact with the industry itself and industry priorities? Absolutely. I think most companies and frankly, almost every type of organization, including nonprofits, have a voice in Washington, either with their own government affairs team or through a trade association. In addition to the work that we do on our own, New York Life also participates in a variety of industry associations and coalitions, which consider and comment on proposals that impact our industry. Of course, as with many things, there's strength in numbers, and trade organizations will try to speak with a unified voice. But as you can probably guess, none of these organizations are a monolith. So much the same as it is in Congress, a healthy debate makes for a stronger product. Let's make our way slowly to the midterm elections and the impact that they have or don't have. First, starting with your day-to-day, 
when we're in cycle or in the lead up to an election, how does that impact yours or your team's day to day or how policy dependent or politics dependent is your work in the end? It's a great question. Our team regularly works with members of Congress on both sides of the aisle. And for that reason, changes to majority don't have an outsized impact on our day-to-day activity. However, depending on which party's in control and by how much, as we're seeing in this particular issue, different policy goals will emerge and gain traction. And in the months leading up to an election, we focus on what those goals may be and how they could impact our industry. Whitney, thank you so much for your perspective. That's really interesting to hear. Jennifer, bringing you into the the conversation here to kick us off, let's get into the meat of the midterms themselves. Tell us about the results. How did they compare to the polling? Yes. Well, as you can imagine, it's been a big week here in Washington, D.C. So just a little brief rundown of what did happen in the election. Republicans have secured the majority in the House. So they have 218 seats right now. And then Democrats have maintained leadership of the Senate. They may win another seat in December 6 in Georgia, but we're going to have to wait a few weeks to see how that goes. And for polling, it actually wasn't that far off. They're predicting that the Republicans would take over the House and there would be a very close Senate. And that's pretty much what we've seen. I would say the biggest difference is just based on historical trends. Republicans were expected to win more seats in the House, and that red wave trend that pundits were predicting didn't really happen. Jennifer, I want to take over a little bit here with a little bit of a rapid fire on the policy implications of those results. Sounds good. All right. So we've said on this podcast that it's really not about the politics. It's really about the policy implications. So let's start off by the broad policy landscape that you see resulting from this election. Sure, absolutely. So just to start with and level set a bit, while Democrats are going to be in control in the Senate, they're only going to have one or two seats in the majority. And that means that in order to overcome the 60-vote filibuster threshold, they're going to need at least nine or 10 Republican senators to vote along with them. And that's a pretty high bar. And they're also going to need the Republican House and the Biden administration. So there's really just not going to be a lot of legislating that's going to be happening this next Congress. In the Senate, I think there's a good likelihood that the Democrats are going to focus on filling judicial nominations and getting judges into place and then holding votes on messaging bills that could be helpful in the 2024 election. So that's things like abortion, election protection, the gay marriage bill. I think that's going to be a good likelihood of what we're going to see next Congress. All right. So in a word, probably gridlock is the main implication, but we know that there's a lot of hot button issues, especially from the investment perspective that could potentially be on the table. So let's start with the first, which is obviously taxes. What are you on the lookout for? So I think one of the biggest things that tax policy could be dependent on is who becomes chair of the House Ways and Means Committee in the House. And that's the committee that oversees tax policy. I think there may be more of a possibility of bipartisan cooperation if it's Congressman Vern Buchanan, and maybe a little bit less chance of bipartisan cooperation if it's Congressman Jason Smith, just given their different personalities and their different political styles. As many know, those tax provisions impacting individuals and the 2017 tax cuts are going to expire at the end of 2025. I think there may be an effort, especially in the House, to try to pass legislation to keep some or maybe all of those provisions permanent. While it's going to be a difficult road, I don't think it's necessarily impossible. All right. So possibly no revolutionary changes on the tax front. But one place where we really have seen a bit of a revolutionary turn of events has been when it comes to government spending, when it came to how we financed our way through COVID, saw a huge increase in government support there. So what's the outlook for government spending moving forward? 
Yes, and it's definitely going to be different. So with Republicans in control of the House, they're going to be pushing for an increase in defense and border security spending and are probably going to be trying to make cuts in a lot of the domestic side spending. It's also very possible that they could attach some policy riders to some of these annual funding bills. So just for an example, they might try to attach a rider to block federal spending to implement a rule coming out of this SEC, possibly the climate change rule. And then the big question of the debt ceiling, and I know we get this frequently, if they're not able to raise the debt ceiling in the lame duck session, which I think is becoming less likely, it's possible that next Congress, Republicans will demand deficit reductions or some cuts to non-defense spending in return for support of raising the debt ceiling. All right, so that's the lay of the land when it comes to spending more generally. But let's dig into a really interesting investment topic, which we've actually covered recently on this podcast, which is ESG or green infrastructure. What is the outlook with that slim Democratic majority in the Senate and with Republicans in the House? Well, primarily in the House, where the Republicans are going to be in control in the House Financial Services Committee, there's going to be a big focus on hearings and messaging bills pushing back against what they see as, quote, woke corporations and some of these anti-ESG measures. So I think that's going to be a big part of what we're going to see next Congress. This Congress, we've seen a really huge push for green energy and infrastructure spending, like we saw in the Infrastructure Bill and the Inflation Reduction Act. We're not going to be seeing this next Congress. I think priorities are going to shift, and we're going to see more of a focus on investments in hydrogen and LNG products and potentially streamlining some of that permitting projects. Let's pivot a little bit to some of the foundation under U.S. investors right now, and that relates to the SEC, it relates to the Fed. There are certain portions of leadership there that might be subject to changes in leadership as the result of these midterm elections. What would you highlight there, Jen? Well, Republicans have been very vocal in their opposition to a number of the SEC proposals that have come out this past year. And while there's not going to be a change in leadership at the SEC, I do think Republicans are going to try to use their majority to push back against some of these rules, especially in the climate rules that have come out. They may also try to overturn these rules to the Congressional Review Act. They would need the president's signature, so ultimately they're going to fail, but I could certainly see them trying to do this. And then in terms of the Federal Reserve, that's not really going to be impacted by the midterm elections. Chair Powell is going to remain in his position, which I believe goes until 2028. Just one more question from from my side, Jennifer. Are there any areas that you're going to be monitoring less closely as it relates to investment implications of these midterm elections? Any policies that have become less likely or unimportant as a result of the results? Well, as we've talked about, the prioritizing the green energy, that's just not really going to be happening this next Congress. So I think there is going to be a shift there. The Republican House Financial Services Committee, they're also going to be spending a lot less time on diversity and inclusion issues. And this has been a really huge topic the past two years for the Democratic House. Well, I have certainly learned so much from both of you today. Whitney and Jennifer, thank you so much for joining us. Four ladies on the podcast today, a first and a pleasure to have you. (laughs) Thank you both. We really appreciate the opportunity. Glad to be here, ladies. Thank you again. Coming up next, a very happy Thanksgiving to all our U.S. listeners. The holiday makes for a quiet few weeks of data, but we'll be back after the break. That's it for today. We'll be back next week for more Market Matters. In the meantime, if you have a question or topic of interest, reach out to us on LinkedIn or on Twitter. You can also follow our views at NewYorkLifeInvestments.com and click the Insights tab. Until then, I'm Lauren Goodwin. And I'm Julia Herman. See you next time.
Our podcast is produced by Milo Benamax and our music was composed by the fabulous Zach Young. I will now read our disclosures from compliance. Past performance is no guarantee of future results, which will vary. All investments are subject to market risk and will fluctuate in value. This material represents an assessment of the market environment as at a specific date, is subject to change, and is not intended to be a forecast of future events or a guarantee of future results. This information should not be relied upon by the reader as research or investment advice regarding the funds or any issuer or security in particular. The strategies discussed are strictly for illustrative purposes and educational purposes and are not a recommendation, offer, or solicitation to buy or sell any securities or to adopt any investment strategy. There is no guarantee that any strategies discussed will be effective. This material contains general information only and does not take into account an individual's financial circumstances. This information should not be relied upon as a primary basis for an investment decision. Rather, an assessment should be made as to whether the information is appropriate in individual circumstances and consideration should be given to speaking with a financial advisor before making an investment decision. New York Life Investments is both the service mark and the common trade name of certain investment advisors affiliated with the New York Life Insurance Company. Securities are distributed by Nye Life Distributors LLC, 30 Hudson Street, Jersey City, New Jersey, 07302, a wholly owned subsidiary of New York Life Insurance Company. Nye Life Distributors LLC is a member of FINRA SIPC.